On this episode, Chris and I are chatting with Netrush's John Hildreth, all about why you should and must protect your brand on Amazon. I think this is such a fascinating topic, Chris. Yeah, there's so much to it. And it's more than just uh, pricing violations. There's you know, uh, uh, the counterfeits, uh, right. the listings, titles. There's, there's a lot to it. So yeah. uh, and that's where you know, we, we now can help brands out with that uh, with, the, with the help of Netrush. Yeah, and John goes into detail. It really neat stories about brands we've helped and the, the issues they were facing, just sort of what brand protection looks like. Uh, I mean, there's a lot to it. Unauthorized sellers, um, like like you said, I mean, selling expired or damaged goods. I mean, there's so many ways to misrepresent your brand. Um, and the more that you can control that, the more you can have a consistent narrative and story about your products and their quality across all of your channels. Uh, so this is a yeah. really, it was a really fun conversation with John. He's a great guy. We love working with him. Uh, so let's go ahead and let's dive into that interview with John. What's up everybody and welcome to episode 167 of Two Amazon Sellers in a Microphone brought to you by Solozo and Netrush. And today there you, go. you got it again. I got it. I got it. I'm, I'm getting it now. Solozo <laughs> and Netrush. I can I'm getting the hang of it now. Um well, today we're going to be talking about why you must protect your brand on Amazon. And this is just another this is a part of our series here where we're uh, sort of highlighting some of the service offerings at Netrush um, and brand protection is a huge one. So today we've we've got a great guest for this from Netrush, John Hildreth. How are you doing, man? I'm great. How are you guys? Thanks We're for having hanging me. in there. Yeah, we are hanging in there. And also, it's a pleasure to work with you. We've had a lot of fun. We've had a lot of uh, really cool meetings, uh, learning about all the different uh, departments and offerings, uh, etc. And just like everyone else, you're you're great. <laughs> we're having we're having a really good time meeting everybody. So, uh, on that note, why don't you let everyone listening and watching right now know a little bit more about your background before we jump into all the brand protection and why you must protect your brand? Let's learn about learn about you, John. Sure. Well, first and foremost, right back at you. It's been uh, it's been great to meet all the Solozo folks, and then uh, getting the deep dive on like the product and the platform in general. I already knew it was cool from, you know, what I had heard before and impressive and then getting, you know, you guys taking us through like what the product and platform looks like. It is, it's pretty incredible. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the future. But yeah, so I'm uh, currently the business development manager at NetRush. So for a lot of um, prospective brands coming into the company, you know, I'm usually the, the first person, first uh, face they see representing NetRush. Um, but prior to that, I actually worked at the, the marketing team at Fjallraven, which is a current brand partner of Netrush uh, for about, I think like four or five years now. So I worked on the marketing team there for a couple of years and it was pretty interesting. You know, I didn't work directly with Netrush at the time, but the more I learned about the company and the space, the more I, I valued what, what uh, an Amazon partner does. Uh, not, you know, there's a difference between, you know, just a service provider, someone that sells your products on Amazon in a true partner. And I think, you know, partnership and partners, a term that's thrown around a lot. Um, but with a brand like Fjallraven, that's super specific in how they tell their story and, you know, what they look like, you know, 
it's it's a, it's important to have a true brand extension, uh, you know, working working uh, for you on Amazon. So the more I learned about the space and, and the company and the capabilities, the more uh, the more interest I had to, uh, to to be part of those teams and to help other brands, uh, you know, reach their goals on on Amazon. What was your what was your job over there at Fall Raven? What was your like day to day look like? You said you're on the marketing side. What does that look like as like controlling a brand? What does that what does that do? Yeah, so I, I had a number of different positions uh, starting off in <clears throat> on the field marketing side of the business. Um, so working, it, you know, working on the marketing team. So mapping out like what the the major campaigns for the year, you know, kind of the go to market strategies. But with that platform it was really fun uh, that program we worked really adjacent with sales so everything from you know selling in the assortments to to different retailers to figuring out how you were going to sell through um so in the other fun part was working with you know big companies like you know urban outfitters and nordstrom and rei you know these massive retailers but then also the the small mom and pop specialty you know independent retailers that uh you know, are just as fun to work with, um, yeah. you know, uh, yeah, the, across the board. So, yeah, yeah, but they don't order enough, right? They, they you get onesies and twosies, and you, you don't get enough. <laughs> totally. Orders. It's, it's, uh, and, and, and like all businesses, you know, sometimes it's not your, your, uh, your biggest clients that require the most amount of work, right. to, be, to be honest and fair. Um, but it's also, you know, that shed a lot of light into for me for, um, not just telling, you know, your story on Amazon or a digital marketplace, but also um, looking at your distribution, you know, where is the product going? Who is going to be selling it at the end of the day? And, you know, how are they going to be selling it at the end of the day? And um, making sure that, you know, I think it's a brand's responsibility to, to do everything they can to help sell through uh, because when a retailer is, you know, has product that's not moving, you know, that's when map policies are violated. That's when, you know, they might go to channels that maybe they're not supposed to, to move through that product. What were some of the things at your current position? And I know we're talking about the past here, but I, I kind of want to get some context. What are some of the things that were like headaches uh, for a brand like that? A well-known brand that you worked at. What are some things that just constant, you're constant trying to break down doors and, and, and deal with it all the time on Amazon? Yeah, so for sure, the, the biggest one would be, uh, and it was such a fun brand to, to work with, I have to say this, uh, working with a brand whose core consumer is everyone from, you know, uh, teenage female with the backpacks to, you know, 50 plus male with, uh, you know, the technical pants, for example. And so everyone in between could be a, a core consumer of the brand. So so that was really special. But um one of the biggest hurdles, you know, and I would talk to people all the time and they say, Oh, I love Fjall Raven. I love this brand. Oh, you guys make clothing too. You know, I thought you just made these backpacks that are the most popular mm -hmm. item. Right. Um, so one of the biggest hurdles is, you know, all the retailers wanted, you know, the core product that everyone knew it was the hotcakes, if you will. Um, a little bit more challenging of a sale for the, you know, the high priced apparel that doesn't have as much brand recognition. Um, so, so supporting the entire assortment and portfolio, you know, that was kind of, uh, one of the, one of the bigger challenges. So when did you transition to your role at Netrush? I'm coming on just about a year. Uh, like, I think oh, like, you're new uh, too. You're pretty new. I am. Yeah. So I think it's, well, it's December now. So I think it's like, you know, I have like five more days, I think till my, uh, my actual hire date. There you go. 
Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, it's it's wild. It's a uh, I think the 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 time warp that COVID is. I can't believe it's uh, only been a year, and I I can't believe it's already been a year. No kidding. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about that. That is a time warp. I mean, we went remote. I mean, it's been I mean, how long ago was that? It's coming up on two years. Yeah, two years, and that's crazy, right? Like, I mean, that is a hard to even believe. <laughs> yeah, it's. it's it's hard to believe that it's been that long. Um, I'm sure I'm not the only one that keeps referring to like, oh, you know, last year before COVID. It's like, well, yeah, it I mean, two years ago, year. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like COVID doesn't count as a year. Like, yeah. We all lost yeah. a year. Yeah. yeah. It, it's crazy. Yeah. And boy, it took the uh, e-commerce world on a roller coaster ride. That's for sure. It, has, yeah. it sure has. Yeah. And, and sped up. I think a lot of things we, we already knew were happening. Right. Um, it's just, you know, like pouring gasoline on the fire. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about brand protection, uh, specifically on Amazon. In general, uh, what does that what does that mean? Like, what are you protecting? Sure, sure. Um, and, and I think for me, it's like uh, two sides of a coin. Uh, you know, first and foremost, uh, I did want to like share a stat because uh, there's a number of, of things that I find super interesting right now. So this one's uh, from, from Jungle Scout. Amazon advertising report, they're saying, you know, 74% of uh, US consumers are starting their search for a brand or product on Amazon. I mean, that is a wild number. And whether that's completely accurate or somewhere in the ballpark, that is the vast majority of, of people, you know, starting and potentially having their first touch point with a brand or product on Amazon. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, omni-channel uh, strategy is, is a term, you know, that's getting thrown around a lot, which I really love. Uh, and it's super important that Amazon's uh, part of it. So, brand protection you know what is it it's uh you know we kind of look at it as like four main pillars so price prayer uh, sorry price parity you know controlling the price on amazon um the presentation uh you know what does your brand look like what's the story you're telling you know in an ideal world you know your product and your brand it, it looks the same as uh you know your direct-to-consumer website your brick and mortar presence, your, you know, your big online retailer partner and the digital marketplaces, it, it, it really needs to look the same. So there's kind of the, um, you know, enforcement and, uh, you know, pricing that side, I think. And then there's the, the content and media and storytelling side. What are some things that you've seen uh, kind of recently? What are some things that you're kind of combating? Like what are, you know, you got brands you work with. What's going on in in the marketplace as far as uh, like gray hat tactics or uh, you know map pricing violations or unauthorized sellers? What are some common things that you're seeing with with that? Yeah, those are those are the big ones. Those are the the big uh, the big points. Um, and I kind of look at it as a it's it's almost like similar to like you know you getting in shape or losing weight, right? It doesn't happen overnight. You know, we'd all like to flash forward to the, uh, you know, before and after pictures, but you got to do the work uh, in between. So yeah, gray market sellers uh, with, with that comes, you know, uh, so many different problems. The price discrepancies, you know, how much does this product cost? 
consumers never want to feel like, you know, they're getting, they, they want to feel like they're getting the best deal all the time. Right. So it, it's, it's confusing and disheartening when, when they don't, but also it's, uh, it, it's confusing about the value of the product and the value of the brand. So, uh, you know, that's one problem, uh, finding out the distribution, you know, as far as, um, you know, when you have a whole bunch of gray market sellers out there, uh, you know, it's hard to, to track and to prepare for the future. You know, how much inventory do you need to have? Um, how do you, how do you plan? So, uh, it can just spiral out of control. It's wild to see when, when I look at, you know, brands all the time and kind of evaluate brand presence, uh, on Amazon and other digital marketplaces, you know, some, some incredible heritage brands that have, uh, you know, incredible presence in brick and mortar and, and on online, and they might have over 200 sellers on Amazon. Yeah. We get <laughs> yeah. that call. We get that a lot where we'll, we'll talk to potential clients and, and they're like, you know, I don't even want to mess with Amazon. It's a mess. Uh, I got all these unauthorized sellers. They don't even sell on Amazon. They're, they're confused on how somebody got their product to sell on Amazon. And so they don't even want to combat it. And, and the, the hard, the barrier to break down is, look, you can be that seller and mm -hmm. get those other sellers off the platform. And now you control the page. You control your brand presence. But that's a lot of work, right? Like that's a lot of work to get it to that point. That's the thing. It, it's it's really scary. You know, it's a this is a this is a really fun topic, right, to talk about because it's such a pivotal point of a, a true omni-channel strategy. But it's fun to talk about. It's to be honest, like it's not super fun to really do the work. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's a lot. You know, when you you know you look at how many gray market sellers are on Amazon, you don't know where they're coming from. You don't know who they are. You don't know how they're getting the product. That's kind of one of those things where you, you just you want to look away and, and hope that it solves itself. And it's just it doesn't happen that way. Uh, it, you know, you have to have the internal buy in. You have to have, you know, the people that that have the ownership, uh, you know, have the resources and the time available um, and, uh, and also the alignment to, to really solve the problem and to go on that, uh, you know, strict diet. It's time now, like, you know, a couple of five, six years ago, maybe even later than that, brands didn't have like an Amazon team internally, right? Mm -hmm. It was just e-commerce, control our website. Uh, we kind of sell on Amazon, but we're really focused on our website. Now, we you have to have a you have to have an Amazon team. And that's where NetRush comes in. What what does that look like if, if a brand comes to us? How do we evaluate if they're a good fit for brand protection? Sure, sure. I mean, uh, you know, and we, we, we can work with it, you know, the full spectrum. I mean, ideally, like our teams, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to work with, uh, with a group that has like a clean slate, right? It's a lot easier to lay that foundational work down when they don't have, you know, a massive amount of, of gray market sellers and all that. Um, it, it's getting internal alignment and figuring out, you know, um, who needs to do the work uh, to get things going. So a lot of the times, you know, it's going to be, um, you know, making sure the sales manager and the director of sales, you know, they're working with uh, their sales reps to make sure that, you know, they're not giving mixed incentives to, to sell. You know, 
POs are great, you know, especially for, for brands starting off, you know, you want to get the, the sales going. So you have income coming into your company in, in a big PO at the beginning is great. But if that big PO at the beginning turns to, um, you know, that's the one PO for a long time. And then all of a sudden your product's showing up on Amazon and it's at a super low price, lower than map. And it's, it's not representing your brand, right? Well, that's really bad in the long run. Uh, and, it, and it's really hard to, to overcome. You, you mentioned something, Chris, about, um, you know, like brands saying, like, how did I even get on Amazon? Like, I didn't want to be on Amazon. And, and that's a, a thing I think Rob Principe, I've heard say, uh, uh, a director of business development at NetRush, if your brand, if, if it has, if there's any sort of uh, amount of people wanting it, if there's any desire to have your product, it's going to be on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Yep. Someone's going to get it. It's going to get there. And, and I feel like at this point in time, while things are changing, you know, we're talking about Amazon, but the growing uh, digital marketplaces out there, the Walmart pluses of the world, the targets, you know, those are going to be uh, continuing, uh, you know, to have opportunities for, for gray market sellers as well. Yeah. I think COVID, I know we talked about it before, but it really highlighted this for a lot of those like legacy heritage type brands that you're talking about. I mean, and, and I want to, we can use sort of one of these examples and sort of walk through this process, but a legacy brand, their core model obviously was POs to brick and mortar. You know, they've got all these um, distribution points where they're, they're selling their products through. Um, and so that was their main business. Obviously COVID hit and now they had to pivot potentially try, try to, capture their um, online sales, much of which is Amazon. And they're going on Amazon and they're realizing, why is there like 19 different listings for my same product? Why are they all horrible? Why is it one image? Um, you know, why are why are there 50 sellers on each one of these? And they've all got repricers running and the price is just plummeting. And, you know, oh, we just found out that all these people we've been distributing products to are using Amazon as like a liquidation channel for stuff that's not selling and it's not representing us well at all. Um, and so now they're trying to get on there and then, I mean, you don't even know where to start. I mean, and you, you can't even half the time update your own listing because there's 50 other sellers all making adjustments to that listing and you've got to gain control over it. So let's let's walk through a scenario like that. A brand is it hasn't been focused on Amazon. They haven't even made any listings or anything, and now they've got to gain control over it. Where do they? Where do we start? And what are the steps that we start taking to walk that brand through owning their presence on Amazon? Sure, sure. Uh, so it really starts off, you know, and we work with brands to do this with them, mm-hmm. but it really starts off with with them you know, having the internal alignment from the top to the bottom, you know, what is the strategy? So do you just want to, you know, get rid of the gray market sellers? Do you just want to, um, you know, control this, right? Which is of course a part of it, but do you want to, you know, grow sales as well? Do you want to have a specific assortment for Amazon? You know, I think a lot of brands like you, the type that you just mentioned, you know, the heritage brands and a lot of brick and mortar presence, you know, it might make sense to have a, a small assortment for Amazon, you know, to not have the full spectrum of their products, depending on, on you know, what their goals are. But it really starts with internal alignment. Um, and with that, you know, figuring out like what uh, what's the rational distribution. Um, 
you know, making sure that the incentives are aligned, uh, you know, designing it to get rid of the, these gray market sellers. So um, working with brands, you know, we help them create a, a strong policy foundation. So making sure that they have the right policies and the right agreements uh, internally. So when they sell their product to uh, to a retailer, you know, it's it's set in stone what they can and can't do and uh, where they can and can't sell their product. Um, the big foundational step too, though, is, is brand registry. So, you know, the brand having, uh, you know, brand registry with Amazon, you know, that's a, a putting the reins into their hands as far as, you know, working with Amazon to uh, uh, say, hey, this person's not allowed to be selling this, you know, that's, that's uh, um, not allowed. Let's go into that uh, brand registry. And another one I'm going to bring up is the trans uh, the transparency program. Uh, two, two things that brands should immediately enroll in uh, in order to protect their brand on Amazon. First one is the brand registry. You've, we've seen over the last, what, what has it been, now, two, three years, uh, Amazon's really like embraced brands. Years past, it's been free for all, you're a seller, you can't validate it. But recently, Amazon is, has been more like embracing the brands and letting brands kind of control their own message. Is that what you're saying too? Yeah, yeah. And I think there's still almost this like um, stigma that these problems are being caused by Amazon. And, and to be honest and to be fair, um, they're not being caused by Amazon anymore, I don't think. I mean, and you look at, um, you know, the statistics of, you know, how many, uh, you know, fraudulent uh, accounts have been taken down from Amazon due to their own AI and to their own programs. You know, you do have to give credit where credit's due. They have done a lot to remove uh, counterfeit products and, mm -hmm. and remove sellers. Um, the way I kind of look at it, it's almost like Social Security. You know, theoretically, there should be some social security for me when I get older. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, I'm going to use all the tools I have now to not rely completely on it. I'm not going to rely completely on Amazon to clean these systems up. But I am going to use the tools like brand registry being, you know, the number one to uh, to do my due diligence to protect the brand. When's it a good time for brands to really get their presence you know a lot of a lot of sellers on amazon are going to be smaller brands right they they just come up with a brand name uh they made it up and they just throw a product up there but when when is a good time for them to take that serious and for them to really like hone in on their brand message on the, on the platform i mean i think it's it's going to be situational but I think it's it's when they have the time and resources to do so. I think if they do, then it's like an easy, easy answer. Like, then you should be doing it. Like if, if you have the bandwidth, if you have a team member who can who can own it, um, then you should. Let's talk about uh, somebody is a violation. Someone's in violation. So a brand you work with comes to you and says, John, ABC seller is screwing up my brand here and I got to get them off my listing. What, what's the steps we take? Yeah, so so and again, that comes back to uh, to brand registry and, and uh, access to it. So uh, you know, Netrush, for example, you know we have some brand partners that we uh, act as a reseller, uh, and we have some brand partners that we act kind of more of as an extension of their team. So uh, it, it is a lot easier uh, when we're acting as that extension through what we call like managed retail because we can access their brand registry. It's, it's um, you know, we're saying, hey, Amazon, 
you know, this gray market seller, they're not allowed to be doing this. That's coming basically from the brand at that point. Whereas, you know, um, sometimes it can, you know, there can be a couple more steps involved when it's as a reseller, you know, we're saying, hey, we're allowed to sell that, that reseller over there, they're not allowed to sell that. Um, yeah, so 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 that's a that's kind of what that process. We're is working about. with two. We got two. We got two options. Like we're either the seller or representing the brand. What is the most common violation? I'm assuming it's a price violation, but what are some common violations you see? You know, the the clear cut answer to that, yeah, I think it's it's the price violation. But for me, as someone, especially when you're talking about a premium brand that has a very specific story to tell when you have even if no one's violating map and i've seen this example recently where there really wasn't any violation of of pricing involved but there were you know 35 sellers for for one product and it's super confusing to the consumer it doesn't look good you know uh i really appreciated a number of the things uh, that was said uh with your last conversations with with brian birch and with rob principe and one of the things you and, and brian birch were talking about were um you know the experience of of opening packages right mm. and how you know even in like the packaging right now we're interacting with consumers and how important that is and you know when you open like a you know a product from apple it's just such an experience like we can all understand and agree that like every aspect is, is so experiential right now um in such a, a way a good way to interact with your consumer when when a consumer you know looking for your product and there's 35 listings and there's different content and there's you know suboptimal uh, yeah. photos and uh you know you're missing the features and benefits or or not telling the story right even if they're not breaking price agreements it's still not good for your brand it's still not good for your consumer uh, and it's not good for you in the long run there's there's other things too i mean not not just price and not just like unauthorized sellers but i mean or this could be an unauthorized seller but i mean if you're selling um you know like a supplement or something they could be selling expired supplements or you know there's all kinds of things that would misrepresent your brand damaged like you were talking about they could be damaged they could misrepresent the condition you know it might be used I, there's so many ways that it, it gets it's a a never-ending battle i would assume and especially to that point dustin with um you know things about ready to you know be expired date wise you know if you've if a company like a cbg company's produced too much um you know they might end up selling a bunch of it off like kind of in a liquidation fashion to right. a distributor which you know is probably going to be a little bit looser as far as who's getting this product and you're almost teeing it up uh, for these gray market sellers to come on Amazon because mm. they need to get rid of it too now. And you've kind of passed that problem uh, along to them. Um, and then you have a gray market seller not representing the brand right and selling, you know, a consumer something that's about to go bad. Yeah, I've been through this. There's a yeah. uh, <laughs> there's a there's a local store here. It's called the five dollar store. And so all, just gonna bring this up. all it is, is all it is, is Amazon returns and it could be anything like anything. And so you, whatever you buy is five bucks, but you immediately list it on Amazon. <laughs> and like, right after that, you immediately get a cease and desist from the brand. So it's, it, it's, that's types of things. Like if you do liquidate, you better be ready. Cause there's people that do that, that they just buy and resell it. 
again, as as uh, as interesting and as exciting as this topic is, it's not necessarily fun. Yeah, uh, you know, you you it's not it's not it's not easy, and it's not it's not a uh, it's a lot of hard work involved. The other the other big piece too is uh, you know not just the the missing on the content, the brand storytelling, and the the map violations, but also the lack of data. You know, when you're selling it or you're working with a trusted partner to sell it uh, for you on Amazon, you know, you're you're able to to plan a lot better. Um, you're able to you know own that communication back and forth, um, which is, is helpful for not, not just in, you know, your, your Amazon efforts, but in your D to C and in, in your brand in general. Yeah. We're seeing more, uh, besides just Amazon, we're also seeing Walmart take over market share. Uh, are you talking to any brands about that? Is, is that happening as well as, you know, is Walmart still kind of where Amazon was, you know, five, 10 years ago? I think so. And I wanted to bring that topic up too, because I think there were a lot of good points made in your last couple conversations where, you know, it's super clunky for sellers. It's super clunky for consumers. It's kind of a drop in the ocean sales wise. Um, but it hopefully, you know, the uh, growing competition will make things, you know, a bit better for, you know, selling on Amazon and maybe some less fees. And, uh, and, I, and I think with Walmart Plus, especially, you know, there will be uh, an improvement in both the, the interface and, you know, using it in general. And, and also the sales are going to grow too. Um, but yeah, I think there's already, you know, a lot of this, when it comes to brand protection, a lot of the same issues we're talking about here, you know, growing there. Um, yeah. There's going to be, I think people are going to have to start paying attention to this. I mean, this, because that uh, brand protection goes both ways. I mean, I remember when I first launched my first brand, uh, was getting into this space, uh, put it on uh, Amazon, started selling it. And then I would Google my product. And I'm like, it's on eBay. It's on Walmart. It's on, it's like everywhere. And I'm like, who are these people selling? I mean, they're in their, their Price is like 30% higher than what my, I mean, it's misrepresenting it. Obviously they have mm -hmm. to buy it from me to begin with, but it goes both ways and you can see that already happening. Uh, brand, you know, you can create listings on Walmart for brands that are selling on Amazon, basically flip that product or buy it, you know, buy it for cheaper and sell it for more. So you're gonna have to look both ways at protecting your brand. I think that's what this whole concept is about. Brand protection is, how do you get your full messaging across all of your channels that you're selling? And, and telling the same story, being yeah. that single source of truth, because like what, what you're talking about, um, you know, every, the consumer's grown so fond of like the free shipping and the, mm -hmm. and the, the quick delivery that they expect from Amazon. So even if, you know, they're searching around for the best price, um, you know, they might, you know, go to the, the products, you know, direct to consumer site, they might see a mm -hmm. listing on eBay, you know, they're probably going to end up buying it from Amazon just for the free delivery because that feels good, especially yeah. if the price is is you know all basically the same. Um, but you need to be telling that same story so that they feel good that they're not buying like a counterfeit product or is this like a leftover? Is this like right. you know what is this? Um, it's all it's all part of the same system. How are you? How are you guys monitoring this? I mean, this seems like. Uh, just a never ending war. I mean, you got to constantly be monitoring who's in the buy box, what their prices are. Are there any other like 
listings just straggling around Amazon that are of the same product? I mean, how, how does that get actively monitored on a consistent basis? Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of work. Um, it, it really is. Uh, you know, our teams, we, we have a, a number of people looking, you know, at who's selling what, you know, what the buy box percentages are, you know, uh, what are the key products that, uh, that are, are, you know, have multiple sellers on. Um, but then again, you know, it, it does come back to, you know, working with the brand and the brand taking ownership too. So it's, you know, looking at their distribution channels, uh, see, you know, and, and basically figuring out who's getting what and, and, you know, are they selling it under a different name, um, figure, figure out where they're getting it from. So I think, you know, uh, a number of, our uh, business partners that started off in a really tough space with a lot of gray market sellers uh, and have been able to to break it down. You know, it usually takes honestly between, you know, I think 12, 13, 14, 15 months uh, to really get it under control. And again, you know, it's, it's not something, you know, you can flip right to the before and after pictures. You know, it's something you, you got to work for. You also have to be ready to, um, to go on the diet to you know take a hit on some sales first and foremost you know there is a dip involved when you're trying to really clean this up but in the long term it's much more profitable you're telling your brand story the right yeah. way yeah so yeah. before before there's brand protection there's all there's also uh distribution and we also handle that um why why is that important like if brain wants if brain wants to use our services i think it starts with distribution would that be right? Do you mean distribution and like fulfillment or? Um... Both, either a seller or fulfilling orders, because then we've got the, we've got the inventory re ready. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think for, you know, um, for a lot of the brands, you know, that are, are working uh, with different distributors, you know, there, it can easily filter down into a lot of different paths. Um, but yeah, owning owning a, a more single source, for example, like NetRush, you know, having the ability to to do all the fulfillment for, you know, FBA uh, in prep and injection there, but also, you know, to your, uh, you know, direct to consumer website, uh, you know, to your business to business, you know, we have the capability to, you know, if, if REI is one of your biggest uh, retailers, you know, we can take a brand's entire inventory and, and manage all those channels for them, which, you know, is a lot clearer of a picture of where the product's going, who's right. getting it. Um, yeah. And I mean, that's really at the end of the day, like full control over, over distribution. Less messy, less questions, yeah. you know, where it's coming from. Exactly. And then let's take that to the next step. I, what would be considered like a viola a violator, like some uh, like a, a someone who's selling in violation your product? Because you've let's say it's a retailer that you you sell to. What what's stopping them from just listing it on Amazon? Is that a violation? Is it is it is Map even something that matters? I mean, can it be enforced if they're selling for cheap price? And also, what's am I a violator if I? go buy this at your product at clearance on Walmart and then resell, you know, one or two units that I, is that a violation? Cause I, what's stopping me from doing that? Totally. And, and it, all good questions because at the end of the day, it's super situational. It's, you know, what, what are the policies that you have written that you have signed with that reseller? So, you know, in, in you can leave your reseller some some leeway and you can kind of let them uh, have some control over it too you know it could be you're allowed to sell you know products a b and c but not d on amazon um you know 
of course, like map pricing, you know, you can only enforce so much, I think. Uh, so, but it does come down to, you know, if someone's continually uh, selling their product below your map, well, if you figure out who they are, you can shut them down. You can stop selling to them. Um, mm. So, you know, it's really situational, which is why, like, it's, it's so important to have those foundational policies in place uh, to be able to, you know, have the uh, expectations front and, and center with, with the retailers. But there's and, no real way to stop somebody who's just flipping one item or something like that on there. Not, not really. I mean, um, you know, it's also like juice, juice worth the squeeze, right? Like, right. Um, you know, where are you going to focus? Is it a top, top product? But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, like you, you can, when you figure out who they are, uh, mm -hmm. You can just stop selling to them, and, and that's a, another thing that I was I was thinking about, uh, you know, prior to this conversation, where um, you know you, you guys are both resellers, and you know a lot of your audience are resellers, and I think as a reseller, you know, it in the long term, it really, you know, if you have the ability to, you know, you're you're buying products and, and you're selling them, and you know you don't have maybe specific agreements with these brands. I think it makes sense to do the best job you can to, to represent that brand the best you mm -hmm. can. Because if, if you're not causing problems, well, then you know, theoretically you should be able to, uh, to keep your business going longer. And that's a win-win for the, for the brand. It's where you start, you know, when you, when you don't represent your brands and your products, the way they're supposed to be, you're selling it, uh, you know, under map, you know, that's when, that's when red flags get, get flown up and, uh, and people start looking to, you know, shut the, shut the resellers down. You make a good point as far yeah. as like getting brands to allow you to be the seller. You know, if a, if a seller out there is looking to sell products on Amazon from a brand, you have to go to that brand and give them some type of value. Like, here's what I'm going to do for you. Uh, your listing needs a better title, better bullets. You need better images. That's what we're going to do, right? Like if you're trying to sell that brand, because um, you don't want to be just every seller that they're getting hit up by, right? These brands are getting approached by other services just to sell their product. And, and you got to kind of stand out. And I think that's what we do over at NetRush. Totally. And, 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 and that's why it's, uh, you know, having a partner that can not only handle all this brand protection stuff we're talking about, you know, this is a lot of work, you know, having the, the ability to do the due diligence for, you know, helping you write these uh, policies and enforcing these policies. But also if that same partner can, you know, has a full studio team yeah. and can do all your A plus content and, you know, revamp your brand store and, you know, manage your listings. And I can also do, you know, ad campaigns and, and do all your PPC, you know, well, now we're really, you know, that's a, that's a holistic view of, of what I think a partnership is. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. It all intertwines. And we talk about this, Almost every time we have a conversation, you know, advertising is great as long as everything else is right. You know, is, are your is your listings right? Is your product high quality? Do you have inventory? Yeah. None of those things live in a in a vacuum. And I think for a lot of brands, the the concept of brand protection is just maybe a little bit removed from their focus on all these other core things that they're doing but it's a super pivotal piece and it has to tie into everything. Cause like you mentioned, brand protection is also making sure everything looks cohesive across all your channels, you know, are, are all your images at the same feel, the same story. 
that's part of it of, of it too. So it all ties together. And that's why it's, it's right. It's like it's nice to have the brand protection team talking to the content creation team. <laughs> No, totally. It, it's all part of the same puzzle. You know, yeah. If, if you if you have the the ads put in place to bring them to your listing, and then they get there, and it's like, well, that doesn't look what I thought it looked like back when I saw it. You know, on a shelf in a store, or you know, right. on their direct to consumer, on their social media. It's like, oh, I guess that's not as as great as I thought it was. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all it's all part of the same game. I feel like I can talk about this all the time. This is really, it's really fascinating because it's, it's kind of like figuring out ways other people are gaming the system to do to a degree, uh, whether intentionally or not. Um, and, and how it can really have an impact on your brand. I think it's fascinating. And it's, it's really interesting to learn just how you, you guys are approaching this and helping brands and making a big difference. So if, if a brand is listening right now or watching, we're going, we're live, uh, and they're really interested and learning more about this service, this brand protection service, or anything, anything else, how can they get in touch with us? So um, through our website, we've got a, a, a reach out, um, like a bot, if you will. Um, just go to netrush.com, um, and they can come in through that way. Um, my email address is, is just J-O-N dot, my last name, Hildreth, uh, at netrush.com. Um, those are probably the best ways to reach out. Um, yeah, just netrush.com. I think it's pretty uh, upfront as far as the bot goes. Like, no, reach out to us. Are are you interested? Yeah. yeah. Well, we got some good success stories over there too. You could check out the website. Uh, there's mm-hmm. some really good success stories on people that we've helped with brand protection. And not only that, but the other services that we offer. And, and I think that's important to point out is we're not we're not just doing the, the brand protection part of it. it. It can be a piece of other things that we offer. Uh, and you just kind of, it's like a puzzle piece, like a la carte this, a la carte that. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, if, if a brand's only interested in, in brand protection or, you know, digital advertising or our 3PL fulfillment, we can do all those single service uh, and, and that's great. Um, but you do also have the ability to do the whole robust, full encompassing uh, partnership, which, um, you know, depending on the brand, one might make more sense for the other. If you just need a, a, an a la carte piece, well, that's great. We can do that. But if you want the full partnership and uh, all these different pieces working together in sync, we can do that too. It's, it's really exciting. It's, it should yeah. be really exciting for any brand that's listening. Yeah. When you, when you see the brands that, you know, when you go to their direct to consumer site and you go to their Amazon store and you look at their listings here, or you look at their listings on a you know, REI.com and it's all the same story. That's what a consumer is looking for today. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that takes work and you need a team of experts to do that for you. And we exactly. got them. <laughs> exactly. Well, John, we got to get you back on uh, again. Cause we could take, we could actually probably talk for 30 minutes on each one of those topics, <laughs> you know, like controlling the buy box and controlling pricing and, and, you know, contracts with distributors and there's so many things that we could talk about so we'll definitely uh get you back on to talk about some of those in more detail but thanks so much for joining us for this it's been a lot of fun yeah absolutely i look forward to it well everyone who's listening um if you're interested in any of those services go to netrush.com you can fill out the form and start the conversation uh, if you're looking specifically for advertising automation or management you can go to solozo.com uh, you can book a demo. You get to talk with either Chris or myself. 
uh, on those demos. We can talk about anything, and then we can talk about all of any other needs that you have and get you in, in touch with the right people at NetRush uh, to help solve those needs for you. So go to Saloza.com or NetRush.com and fill out the form. If you like content like this, make sure that you're subscribing to this podcast. Uh, if you're watching this live stream, uh, or if you'd like to, you'd like to get notified when we go live, make sure that you're following our social channels. So Solozo on Facebook, Solozo on LinkedIn, and our YouTube channel. Uh, you Make sure you subscribe to those, turn on notifications. You'll get a nice little ping on your phone when we go live with really cool people like John. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. It's been a lot of fun, and we will see you all next time, probably tomorrow. Have a great one. See you guys.